Master Mai, good afternoon and welcome to this week's episode of Perspective on Manx Radio. I'm Dolan Mercer. For Sunday the 24th of November, we're taking a look ahead to one of the items on the agenda for the House of Keys on Tuesday, which could see a crucial piece of legislation on the Isle of Man pass another significant hurdle. In March last year, local charity Safe, Strong, Secure started a petition calling for reform of the island's domestic abuse legislation. The move came in light of what the charity felt was a very disappointing sentence following a well-publicised court case. The next month, the Department of Home Affairs responded as it began drafting a new bill to address the issue. So that was April 2018. Tuesday this week will see the Domestic Abuse Bill 2019 reach the consideration of clauses stage, with a raft of alterations proposed by Claire Barber, MHK, and some from her Ramsey colleague, Dr Alex Allenson. In this hour, we'll look back at the events and discussions that have got us to where we are now, and look ahead to Tuesday's sitting. As I mentioned, the petition started by Safe, Strong, Secure was prompted by a series of court cases which the charity felt resulted in lenient sentences for the offender, or offenders, if there were any sentences at all, of course. Tamazin Wedgwood told me more about reaction to one case in particular which brought fresh discussions to light about the justice system on the island. A lady who, she does volunteer with the charity, but she's a survivor of abuse and had initially come to us for help. She sent me the article. She was planning to report her case to the police and pursue it in the courts. And she just sent it to me and said, this really puts me off. What is the point of going through all the trauma again if this is going to be the kind of result we get? Then another of the trustees of the charity also commented and said, we've got to do something, you know, enough's enough. Because so many cases end like this and we are trying to encourage people to come forward and report it. But then they are let down by the system, really. Because my attention had been drawn to the article, I saw quite a lot of comments on social media and it was obvious that there was quite a big public feeling about it. So I was kind of thinking, okay, we've got to do something. What can we do? And a petition just seemed to be the obvious answer because of the fact that there was so much of a public outcry already. And I thought it would be quite easy to get people to um, sign up to it. Forgive me for using a bit of a cliche, but I think your feeling is here that the punishment doesn't fit the crime. No, exactly. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think there's still a lack of understanding of the complexity of abuse and how it affects people and how severe a crime it is. We hate the term domestic. We find ourselves having to use it because otherwise people don't know what we're talking about. But it does trivialise it really, just that very name. And it takes you back to the days when it's just a domestic and it's not any of our business because it's happening in somebody's home. Well, it should be everyone's business. You know, it's affecting one in three women, one in six men, one in five children. One in three teenage relationships are abusive. You know, this is affecting a whole lot of people. And those are the direct numbers it's affecting. Then you've got all the family. You've got the um, effect on business of days missed from work. You've got the cost of the health service. You know, it's just never ending. It's a huge issue and it should be talked about. And I think the other side of it is that domestic abuse in itself is not a crime. I mean, that's not just true on the Isle of Man. There's a lot of countries where it's not a crime. The emotional, psychological abuse isn't covered by the law at all and that's often the most damaging kind of abuse because somebody gets inside your head and you can't get it out and you live with those scars for probably for life really. Even the physical abuse usually has to be tackled under some other heading such as ABH or GBH and as a result of that automatically you're not focusing on the whole abuse scenario, you're only looking at the physical injuries 
And also, as a result of the law, all too often, um, as in the case that sort of caused the stir, it ends up in a magistrate's court. It really shouldn't be. The law should be such that it is a criminal offence and it ends up in a criminal court because... I do think there's an issue that magistrates clearly aren't educated in understanding abuse, so they're not providing fitting sentences. But nevertheless, it's also true that their hands are tied and they're very limited in the kind of sentences they can hand out. So they don't have the power to give a sentence that you know fits the crime. So where's this petition at now? Um, and what are your sort of hopes and expectations, if, if that doesn't sound too glossy, um, mm-hmm. f- for the medium term? At the moment, we were at 12... 150 signatures um, so we're certainly hoping to get 1500 I'd really like it to be more we've been really really pleased with that result at one point people were signing up you know one or two every minute it, it was just flying which is great but equally on the other hand it's not that surprising when you think that it does affect one in three women one in six men even out of the Isle of Man population that's an awful lot of people who potentially understand this issue and would like to sign We're trying to get the attention of MHKs. Um, I've had responses from a few MHKs. Claire Bedison in particular, she's signed and is going to help us as much as she can. Really, our aim is just to get it fully in the media eye, get the Manx public behind it and make our politicians um, and lawmakers listen because it really is totally unjust. I mean, a lot of the comments have said this is supposed to be a justice system, so it should provide justice and it doesn't. That was Tamazin Wedgwood of the Safe, Strong, Secure organisation which started a petition in March last year in efforts to urge government to review its legislation in light of what the charity feels was a very disappointing sentence. Around a fortnight later, Miss Wedgwood asked the island to participate in National I Can't Keep Quiet Day by taking part in an organised flash mob. The event was held along Strand Street in Douglas on Saturday the 7th of April 2018. Ahead of that flash mob, Ms Wedgwood told Manx Radio where the idea came from and what her plans were. That started with the Women's March on Washington last year. The artist Milk sang a song, I Can't Be Quiet, and she did it as a sort of mini flash mob at various points along the march. That kind of took a life of its own. In a few countries, it was performed as a flash mob on International Women's Day, which is March the 8th. But then they actually made an I Can't Keep Quiet Day. Well, it was April the 8th, 2017. It's April the 7th this year. And what happens is that at one o'clock in every country around the world, people get together, sing the I Can't Keep Quiet song. It starts with just a band or one single musician, and then people hopefully come out of the crowd and join in. It's simply a sort of dignified protest singing the song. We're using it to protest and not keep quiet about domestic abuse and sexual assault, which it commonly is used for, but it's also been used for any issue that people feel strongly about and don't want to keep quiet about any longer. So, you know, racism, homophobia, whatever your issue is. The first part of the song is saying that I can't keep quiet about it. And the second half of the song is is saying that if you speak out, there are people out there who understand and will help and support you. You know, it just fits really, really well with our charity aims. Coincidentally, it fits well with this petition. And we're hoping that because of the big support the petition's got, then hopefully the flash mob also will be well received. We're encouraging people to come along, bring pink hats, preferably pussy hats if you've got them or can make them. If you've got a guitar or if you're in a band, you'd get in touch and join us. It's going to be on Strand Street, 7th of April, 1pm. Everyone does it at 1pm in their own time zones. It'll definitely be outside Marks and Spencers. We're hoping to do it at a couple of other locations along Strand Street as well. That was domestic abuse campaigner Tamazin Wedgwood previewing an organised flash mob which took place on the 7th of April last year. Just 10 days later, the topic of domestic abuse came up in Timwald, 
with a question for the Home Affairs Minister from Kate Lord Brennan, MLC. Turn to question six and call the Honourable Member of Council, Mrs Lord Brennan. Mr Deputy President, thank you. I would like to ask the Minister for Home Affairs what plans he has to improve the handling of domestic violence cases. Call the Minister for Home Affairs to reply. Thank you, Mr Deputy President. Deputy President, I am very grateful for the Honourable Member for asking this question because it provides me with the opportunity to highlight the important work my department is undertaking in relationship to domestic violence. I should firstly highlight the fact that the police and my department take domestic abuse very seriously. And secondly, that we are actively progressing legislation that will provide additional legal powers to the courts and law enforcement agencies. In this connection, my department is currently preparing consultation documents in respect of two bills. The aim being to commence public consultation before the summer recess and subject to the usual approvals, introduce the bills into the House of Keys before the end of this year. The relevant provisions in the bill are intended to include the following. Domestic violence protection notices and orders and address the problem of coercive and controlling behaviour. My department is also examining the current UK uh, consultation on this matter and also the sentencing guidelines in England. In this regard, we will welcome any views of any honourable members who would like to provide additional uh, changes to the law in relationship to domestic violence. There will also be the opportunity to respond to the consultation of the bills this summer. Moving away from legislation, I can point to the major role my department has played through the auspices of the Safeguarding Children Board and Safeguarding Adults Partnership in the development of a domestic abuse pathway. This is intended to coordinate the activities of all agencies operating in the field of domestic abuse into holistic services which res respond to a range of personal <coughs> circumstances, bearing in mind the complex nature of this issue. I am aware of the, commit, uh, the committed efforts of a number of third sector organisations to address domestic abuse and have met personally with such organisations since taking my ministerial role up. I would also be happy to meet with honourable members of council or any other members of this uh, honourable court who have any specific concerns and wish to uh, discuss this matter in any further depth. Thank you, Mr. Deputy President. Supplementary question, Mrs. Lord Bennett. Deputy President, thank you, and thank you to the Minister. That's really encouraging to hear. Um, given the complex circumstances that might prevent somebody getting out of a situation, for example, of controlling coercive behaviour and helping them break the cycle, as it were, um, could you tell us a little bit more about the domestic abuse pathway and you know, whether that would tie in with anything that worked across departments? Minister, to reply. Mr. President, without getting too deep into the, into the pathway uh, and the safeguarding board, I think what I should emphasise is what the new legislation will do to give the powers to the police when uh, approaching domestic violence in the future. If this legislation is successful, Mr. Deputy uh, President, uh, I think if the Honourable Member wants to discuss the pathway further, I would welcome her to my department where we can sit down with members of the pathway and discuss it. Thank you. Supplementary question, Mrs. Beecroft. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, I wonder if the Minister could confirm, because it, it keeps switching from domestic violence to domestic abuse, that the legislation will be covering domestic abuse and will include financial and emotional abuse as well as coercive behaviour. Minister to reply. Yes, indeed it will, and coercive behaviour covers, as the Honourable Member says, a, a, a widespread of controlling um, of control within a, within a household. So, uh, again, I would 
encourage the honourable member to come and talk to her talk to us if she has any particular concerns that the legislation may not cover what she requires it to do so country question mrs lord brennan thank you deputy president and um, thank you minister um, just to ask about the consultation are there any plans to perhaps handle this in a different way in terms of consulting with um, with people for input into the legislation anything around that um, just because of the practical issues involved and people who have been through such circumstances you know, might not be uh, forthcoming in the usual ways. Um, is there the chance to have something hand handled differently to what we would usually handle in terms of consultation? Minister, to reply. Uh, thank you, Deputy President. That's, that's a very interesting point that the Honourable Member brings up, and it's something I would happily take back to my department. Um, certainly within consultations, we have lots of uh, third sector uh, uh, organisations who have actually come forward with confidential information um, that, that they do share it with us and I think you're dead right that in, 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 in the consultation we want to encourage as many people as possible so to protect them would also be um, high on our priority. Supplementary question, Mr Speedcroft. Thank you Mr President. Is the Minister aware um, that Baroness Scotland commissioned a particular piece of research into this very subject? And interestingly, one of the things that it came up with was that for every pound spent preventing domestic abuse, it actually saved uh, Treasury, the government as a whole, £8. Um, if he's not aware, uh, would he have a look at this piece of research? Because I think he'll find it invaluable. Minister to apply. Uh, thank you, Mr. Deputy President. No, I wasn't aware, and if the Honourable Member would like to pass that information to me, I'm sure our, our department would like to look at this in, in some depth. Everything is helpful in this, in this matter. That was Home Affairs Minister Bill Malarkey responding to a question from Kate Lord Brennan, MLC, in the April 2018 sitting of Timwold. Afterwards, Mrs Lord Brennan told John Moss she was pleased with the response she'd received. Well, it was something that I raised and was interested in, um, mentioned it at the hustings. And that's really come from the background of the, of the UK being a little bit more ahead of the game than we are. In 2015, they introduced... Um, coercion and control and behaviour behavior as a grounds for domestic abuse. And that's really important because it's often, you know, if you don't have any recourse for that, you go to the, you go to the extremes. Could you explain what that means? It basically means, I suppose, mental cruelty um, rather than physical abuse. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing, really. It's the, it's the kind of the point, you know, before somebody gets physical, you know, with somebody else, you know, in, in terms of, you know, hitting them or lashing at them, whatever. Um, so really, if that's not tackled, then it can, you know, somebody has no recourse for that at all. You know, they can be told, well, actually, there's no, you know, there's not, nothing the, the police can do. So that's, that's a really important element. And in the UK now, you know, there's even cases going to the appeal court um, that were dealt with before this was brought in in, in 2015 in the UK. Uh, now possibly will be looked at again because the significance of it is is realised. This is a difficult area because literally it's behind closed doors. Yes, it is. Isn't yeah. it? So how do we get to tackle it? I think that in you know in terms of how it how it needs to be dealt with, it's got to be something that comes from all different forms of support. You know, the, the answer doesn't just lie with the police. It doesn't just lie with legislation. Um, the delicate nature of it means that if somebody is in a desperate situation, they need to, if they ask for help, they need to be able to point, to be pointed to other areas of help. The sentencing needs to be sorted, but the legislation needs to be sorted as well. In some cases, well. it's getting them to ask for help, which is the difficult thing, getting people to admit that they need help. That's the thing. So if somebody actually gets the courage to speak up, we need to be able to help them. 
Were you happy with the answer you got from Mr Malarkey? I was really pleased that there is going to be some legislation in the in the pipeline and um, that is really encouraging to hear. Um, the sentencing is kind of almost the final part of the picture because of course if somebody's got to the point of sentencing that's actually quite far down the line so the key thing is that all of this works together so that people can get the help that they need. Kate Lord Brennan MLC there speaking to John Moss on the 17th of April 2018. Just three days later, though, a Freedom of Information request from Manx Radio highlighted an alarming trend. It's been revealed the number of incidents of domestic abuse on the Isle of Man is rising. Figures were released by police yesterday following a Freedom of Information request by Manx Radio. Donna Mercer reports. The total number of incidents rose from 460 in 2016 to 515 last year. That's almost a 12% increase. The figures also distinguish between male and female offenders, with victims overwhelmingly female. Home Affairs Minister Bill Malarkey confirmed in Tinwald this week that domestic violence will be the focus of two new bills, following the campaigns of local charity Safe, Strong, Secure. Manx abuse legislation has come under the spotlight following a case earlier this year. The charity described the sentence as very disappointing and it caused members of the public to call for tougher penalties. The data only includes reported cases, however, and police commented that distinguishing between victim and offender wasn't always black and white. The following month, in May 2018, the Isle of Man Constabulary took to social media to issue its reassurances. The police say they will always do their best to help the victims of any type of abuse in whatever way possible. The Isle of Man Constabulary has recently taken to its social media pages to say it takes all such claims seriously. There has been criticism of the police's handling of aspects of certain abuse cases, both modern and historical, and some of the sentences handed out by the Manx courts for things like domestic violence recently. Detective Inspector Neil Craig says they are there for victims, even if they're unsure and don't want to press charges, even if it's just to direct them to the appropriate services. Certainly for victims of offences such as rape, uh, they may come forward and decide that they don't want want to make a, a formal complaint. However, there are options where we can evidence gather for them, um, particularly if it's something that's happened in the here and now, and that evidence can be retained and stored until such time as uh, a victim may feel more comfortable or uh, in a better place in their life to come forward and make a complaint so we're not actually losing evidence and we can we can help them uh, further down the line if, if we need to. That was Detective Inspector Neil Craig, introduced by Ewan Gorn, speaking in May last year. Later that summer, government announced it was going out to public consultation on the issue. In July, Tamazin Wedgwood of Safe, Strong, Secure spoke to Aaron Ibanez about the consultation process and what she wanted to see. Whether you're a victim or an expert or a member of family of a victim or even um, a perpetrator and a member of family of a perpetrator, the more voices on this, the better chance we have of getting the best law. We spoke off mic just before about how there's a certain density to this survey and you've released a couple of, of tips and, and sort of a bit of a guideline for people sort of taking on this, this survey. Yes, um, that's because we'd asked people to comment and several people had come back a bit sort of daunted and panicked when they'd seen how much there is on the online hub, how much to read. So we put together a few tips such as you don't need to read everything that's there, you don't need to answer all the questions, you can pick and choose. 
If you just want to focus on the domestic violence, then there's just a few quick questions of introduction. And then there's, you skip to domestic violence and there's six questions there. I am encouraged by the department as well that you don't need to stick to answering the questions. You can use the comments boxes to put down anything else that you have concerns about or you think should be in there that isn't. So let's get into the survey a little. Um, what's the significance of question 11? Yeah. So currently it stands as the diversion of offenders and domestic yeah. abuse bill, but you are calling for domestic abuse to have it to become its own law yeah. in its own right. At first, to be honest, I was just delighted that we're getting a law at all and that domestic abuse is in the title. But the more I think about it, the more I'm not happy about it being put together with the diversion of offenders. There's several reasons for that. I think if you put two issues together in one law, that's just asking for sort of wooliness and confusion and watering down of both issues, really. I think it sends out the wrong message because domestic violence is a really, really important issue. It affects one in three or one in four women worldwide and at least one in six men worldwide, including the Isle of Man. And I think as such a complex and important issue, it does deserve to be addressed with its own specific law. The Diversion of Offenders Bill is all about diverting people away from jail towards fines and cautions. And that just sits uneasily with the domestic abuse, because if you remember our petition, that was because someone had been fined rather than having a jail term. Victims find fines very insulting. And we don't really think it sends the right message to perpetrators or to society. Though if, if you're asked question 11, um, do you think there should be a separate law? I do, and I hope others agree with me. Um, the proposed sets of legislation is modelled on, on the English law, mm-hmm. um, which you believe has its shortcomings. Yes. One warning sign, I suppose, about the English law is that it was enacted in 2015. And since then, they've only had eight successful prosecutions. So eight prosecutions in five years for an offence that affects at least one in four people. (laughs) just seems pitiful to me. I and some of my colleagues from the charity recently attended a conference on coercive control in the UK, and there was a lot of discussion there about the shortcomings of the English law. Obviously, the the lack of prosecutions was brought up as as an issue, um, and reasons for that included lack of police training, lack of understanding of the law, lack of training of the courts. And again, you can have a law that's as good as you like, but if no one actually understands it or how to apply it, then it's not going to be effective. Your your personal stance is that the Manx legislation should be modelled on the Scottish one. And that basically looks at domestic abuse as a pattern of behaviour rather than just a set or series of incidents. Do you think that this approach would be more forward thinking and more beneficial to to victims on the Isle of Man? Yes. Um, I'd just like to say I don't necessarily think it should be modelled on the Scottish law, but something more like the Scottish law, perhaps bringing in you know, pieces from different laws specifically for the Isle of Man that, that suits our, our situation. One of the main flaws that was discussed at the conference about the English law is the fact that it's incident based. And that is quite an old fashioned way of looking at domestic abuse. In court, you're being asked to focus on one specific incident or maybe a couple. Uh, Usually in the English law, you can only be charged with a maximum of 10 assaults, which, like I say, bearing in mind, you've already suffered 50 before you report at all. That's only a fraction of what's actually happened. But usually at different court appearances, that's brought down and down until maybe the person's only facing one or two charges. So that immediately reduces the crime that's being looked at if you see what I mean and and the court isn't seeing the full picture and isn't understanding the effect the cumulative effect of all those many many assaults that have gone on and will go on unless something is done about it. That was Tamazin Wedgwood of Safe Strong Secure speaking with Aaron Ibanez. After the break we'll fast forward to 2019 and look at some more recent developments in the island's journey towards establishing tailored domestic abuse legislation 
a process that could progress past another key hurdle this Tuesday. Good afternoon and welcome to Perspective on Manx Radio. If you are just joining us, we're taking a look ahead to one of the items on the agenda for the House of Keys on Tuesday, which could see a crucial piece of legislation on the Isle of Man pass another significant hurdle. In March last year, local charity Safe Strong Secure started a petition calling for reform of the island's domestic abuse legislation. Before the break, we heard from Tamazin Wedgwood from the charity... And we also heard extracts from Timwald and news bulletins on the issue. Let's skip to May this year when a member of the Department of Home Affairs, Dr Alex Allenson, MHK, said new domestic abuse legislation would be put before Timwald no later than October. Dr Allenson said he believed the current legal framework was way out of date. With a new bill in process since near the beginning of 2018, Both MHKs and members of the public were left feeling frustrated with the wait, and the Ramsey member said he shared their frustration. He explained the delay was due to a considerable amount of time spent studying the laws of other jurisdictions, with a view to providing the Isle of Man with what he said is the best protection and sentencing, addressing all aspects of abuse. We're getting very, very close. If I can just explain why we haven't got the legislation before Timwald already... We worked very hard in terms of the Department of Home Affairs to to actually get a new bill, a much better law, and Minister Malarkey has made it one of the key priorities um, to try to get this um, on the statute book so that we can address some of the real problems that men and women are having on the Isle of Man because domestic abuse does affect men as well in all sorts of different relationships. We looked at the best laws we could find, and certainly at the time it seems that the Scottish legislation um, covered most of the issues that we wanted to do, both in terms of protecting the victims of domestic abuse, getting the sentencing there, but also addressing the, the many aspects of domestic abuse. Because what one of the major um, things that, that I think the courts need to um recognize is that domestic abuse sometimes doesn't leave bruises. It can be far more insidious. In January this year, the um, UK government produced a wide-ranging response to a consultation they'd done with a lot of different groups looking at the gamut of domestic abuse. And they included physical sexual abuse, violent threatening behavior, controlling or coercive behavior, and also economic abuse as well as psychological, emotional, and other abuses. So they they looked at it as a whole, gave a far wider definition of what abuse can be and the way it can affect people. And so we've been working now over the, the last month or so to try to get that legislation fit, get the best we can for, for the Isle of Man. We're almost there. What we need to do now is, is go back and consult with some of the groups, such as the ones last year who raised this very issue, and make sure that this is fit for purpose, that this addresses their concerns. And then we're going to get it on the floor of Tim World this year. Speaking of the that vast area you've really expanded on with the new bill, 
Um, there was a public consultation on the issue. Um, did you get the, a response like that from the public? What was what was learned from that consultation? We, we, we did indeed. We were very keen to do We've got a, a whole range of different bills coming through, particularly in terms of sexual abuse as well, and reforming the criminal justice system. One of the parts of the consultation was originally the domestic abuse bill was twil- twinned with another bill. And people were saying, actually, this is such an important aspect. You need to have it on its own. It needs to be a standalone document that people can refer to. We've done that. We've also taken on board some of the the concerns about economic abuse and the way that can be used um, in partnerships, and also the psychological and emotional abuse and coercive behaviour, which can carry on after even a relationship is finished and then merge into issues like stalking. And we need to have decent legislation that deals with all these ways that people can abuse others um, and actually sends out a really clear signal that this is not... I'm going to be tolerated on the Isle of Man and the, so that the people who are victims of it can be protected. And there are a whole range of issues such as protection orders, um, but also that those people who perpetrate it can be dealt with. Douglas Central, MHK and Corlett was um, critical of the department's current approach to domestic, domestic abuse, yep. saying it only worked in reaction to a crisis. Is it hoped the new legislation will go some way to tackling this? Absolutely. What we've been looking at is, as I said, that the best way we can protect people. And so part of the the, the powers that the, the, the new bill will bring in will be allowing either the, the victims themselves or, or police when they go around and they suspect something is happening to be able to intervene at a much earlier stage and actually hopefully stop abuse escalating um, to the point when it becomes a crisis to actually deal with it properly. Um, but, but also look at it as a whole so that we send out a clear message that it's the responsibility of all of us to look after each other. So if people present um, in a healthcare environment to A&E with bruises, that people have that at the front of, the, of their mind and actually ask the right questions to help those people who often only come to, to the recognition of authorities fairly late on in what can be years of abuse going on. Kate Lord Brennan and MLC has accused the department of being too slow, uh, much too slow with this. Um, Why has it taken so long? Again, I I think I share that frustration and Minister Malarkey at every single department meeting has been saying, when is this bill going to be out? As I said, we've been consulting on it quite really quite carefully so that we get this right. We have one chance to get this bill as well as, as good as possible. And we've been looking at the, the various things that have been happening in the United Kingdom, in Scotland, so that we get the best bill for the people on the Isle of Man. I think we're very close to that now. We've been working very closely with the legal drafters to make sure that this joins in with some of the anti-harassment legislation we've already got, the anti-stalking legislation we've ever, we've already got. So we, it has an overall encompassing um, way of protecting people on the island against abuse. And it deals with some of the different forms of abuse, such as coercive behaviour and psychological abuse, which I think have been actually very understated up until now. The response to a freedom of information request submitted by Manx Radio last year showed incidents of domestic abuse on the island are rising, uh, 460 in 2016 and 515 in 2017. Do you know what the figures have been like since then? Um, is the department showing enough urgency to reverse that trend? I'm afraid I don't have the, the up-to-date figures because we obviously rely on 
on on the constabulary to give the, give those to us. But certainly, the, I know it's seen as a priority both for the minister and the chief constable. One of the aspects in terms of increasing reporting is I'm hoping people have more confidence now in the various services that when they say they're being abused, that's taken seriously and acted upon. And I'm hoping also that by passage of this sort of legislation, we can make a clear um, signal that this is not to be tolerated at any time in any way and that we can you know, ask people if they do feel that they're being abused to come to the department, come to the police at a very early stage so we can put a stop to it. A year ago next week, uh, 15-year-old Ellie Whip was given an official commendation from the chief constable after she called the police as she protected her younger siblings from a man who strangled her mother. A year on, would the department act in the same way given the same scenario? Uh, what steps are being taken or could be taken to prevent this sort of thing from happening again? Well, I think this is a, a very, very good example of the way that domestic abuse doesn't just affect the person involved, but can affect an entire family, sometimes even an entire commu- community. What we've been looking for in terms of the Department of Home Affairs um, is the the actual effects of adverse childhood experiences on young children, how that can actually scar them later on in life. And so one of the aspects that the Minister's been very keen on doing is to address this head on, to try to give the help that these people need, both the victims but also perhaps children involved in in domestic abuse and domestic violence, to ensure that, that they're given the support to actually heal after this and move on with their lives. In March last year, victim support was given more than £128,000 from the Manx Lottery Trust to establish a new project worker on a three-year contract to help tackle domestic abuse on the island. Is it right that private organisations are having to step in as the first line of defence here? Well, the first line of defence is often the, the, the constabulary and the police officers going around doing a lot of the protection, doing a lot of the um dealings with domestic abuse, I think there will always be um, a very important role for the third sector on the Isle of Man. We've seen that throughout lots of different areas of government, whether it be health, whether it be the criminal justice system, whether it be supporting victims. So the work of victim support, the work of the Women's Refuge is incredibly important because some women may not feel able to go straight to the police. They may want that independent body, that independent advocate for them to actually help then make the decision to actually report this to the police in the first in the first case. So certainly, I think the, the the role of victim support is incredibly important, and I don't think that's going to go away soon. That was Dr. Alex Allenson, MHK, there speaking to Manx Radio this summer. Back to safe, strong, secure. At the time, almost ten thousand people had signed the charity's petition for a new domestic abuse bill. Tamazin Wedgwood, a survivor of abuse and campaigner for domestic violence support on the Isle of Man, was behind the creation of that petition last year. We've heard from her lots already, of course. Influenced by legislation in Scotland, it's thought the new bill looks at higher penalties for abusers and will analyse abuse as a course of conduct over time rather than being incident-based. Ms Wedgwood responded to Dr Allenson's comments when she spoke to Rianne Evans. Speaking in June, did she think the bill was coming to fruition quickly enough? Well, yes and no, really. Um, We've always said that it's more important to get the right law than just to get a law. Um, I'm really glad that Dr Allenson and the rest of the people involved have taken the time to really look at all the different legislations in the different parts of the UK. And I know there's been recent changes to English legislation. I know they've looked at that. So it's really good because ideally the Isle of Man could have the best possible law. 
um, the English law has had changes recently because it wasn't really fully fit for purpose. So they've had to make changes because it didn't work. We don't want to be in that situation. We want to get it right first time. Um, and in particular, I'd really encouraged the idea of the Scottish Bill. And I gather that they have really looked at the Scottish Bill now and hopefully based a lot of the Isle of Man law on the Scottish, which I think is a good thing. Why have you um, suggested to go to the Scottish law? What similarities are there? Like what benefits can the Isle of Man have from looking at that? Really, I think the main key thing with the Scottish law is that it looks at abuse as a course of conduct over time. So the court can see the full pattern of behaviour. The problem with the English law and the original Isle of Man draft bill was that it was still incidents-based. And looking at single incidents is a very old-fashioned approach to domestic abuse, and it doesn't get the full picture, especially with coercive control. Um, I was thinking earlier about how, you know, a good, a good way to explain that, and I thought of my own situation. My husband used to lock... Sometimes he locked me in the house, sometimes he locked me out of the house. Now, if that had been in court for one incident, he locked me out of the house, that would have looked like nothing. He could easily have said it was a joke or it was an accident or whatever, or we'd had an argument and that would be it. Whereas if I'd gone to court and it was shown that I'd been locked in the house or locked out of the house many, many times over many months, that would have been harder for him to say was just a joke or an accident. But also, I think it would have the court would have been able to, to actually think about how that would feel to be living that way. And it is being terrorised in your own home and it is being a prisoner in your own home. And that isn't visible when you just look at one single incident. And that's really common with coercive control. The incidents in themselves taken alone might not look like much at all, but they really are. And it's the cum cumulative effect of that on the victim that's really important and we have to understand. Um, also, the Scottish Bill did have higher penalties um, for domestic abuse than the English. And I think that's important. I looked out a quote, actually, from Dr Evan Stark, um, he's the man who actually first defined coercive control and I heard him speak in London uh, last November. He said, and it does sound a bit extreme to start, but he's absolutely right, um, it says we need a law that punishes offenders at the same level that we would punish people that take hostages or kidnap people because what we're really dealing with, although the analogy is by no means perfect, is a kind of domestic terrorism, a kind of domestic hostage taking in which the victim has no outside to escape to because the supposed safe place the relationship the home the family has now been identified as the point of imprisonment and entrapment and that's what we really need people to understand and that's what the law needs to cover and your petition was sparked by an incident um which resulted in in a lenient yeah. sentence um are you worried are you concerned more of these incidents could have happened in the time frame that it's taken for these changes to take place i know they have happened i mean without a doubt partly because of how common it is also um my attention this week was actually drawn to a couple of cases, recent cases, um, which are very similar to the one that sparked the petition. And the reason we did the petition, it wasn't a petition about that one case. It was kind of the last straw because it was one of many, many cases like that, and it still is. Um, I noticed um, this letter. I don't know if you've seen this letter to the newspaper. It was from someone who was visiting, saying how shocked they were when they read those stories in the newspaper. Um, it says it's great to see how optimistic and successful the beautiful Isle of Man has become until page nine of the newspaper, where I found the story of the man who had been given a suspended sentence despite attempting to angle grind his way into the home of his former partner and her two children because he was eloquent in court and spoke from the heart. Well, that's all right then. I then couldn't believe it when four pages further on, I read of another violent man swattling his partner almost into unconsciousness who was given probation because he was under financial pressure 
I am almost without words. This island needs to look inwards and address the attitudes towards and realities of domestic violence. I have two young daughters and I hope that by the time they are old enough to be in a relationship, the judge involved in these cases is no longer making such important decisions. That was by a visitor from Sussex. And I think, you know, if we've got visitors commenting on how bad it is, we really need to wake up. And those, those sentences are typical. And, you know, one of the things the petition was about was that we should not, it just should not be allowed in court that people can have things like their business acumen or their membership of a golf club or their previous good character or whatever, or stress or whatever it is, used as an excuse because there is no excuse. And often it's it's said in court that it's a first offence. Well, we know with domestic violence, it, it's extremely unlikely, almost impossible that it's a first offence. It's going to be one of many in a pattern. It'll be the first one that's been reported, maybe, or the first one that's... Um, been prosecuted but it's not the first offence um, we know it used to be statistically that um, on average people had suffered 35 assaults before they reported, there's new research that says it's 50 assaults, so when that so called first offence in is in court it's actually the 51st you know, and that's, we shouldn't have statements like that being made and not being challenged um, and how good you are at your job or any other role you have in the community has got absolutely nothing to do um, and like that, that man that was mentioned there about being eloquent in court, I'm sure Jimmy Savile or Rolf Harris, you'd say they were eloquent. It doesn't mean they didn't do it and it doesn't mean that what they did wasn't wrong. And it's just it's just so old fashioned just to allow statements like that in court. It's really got to stop. And the other big issue which we had with the that was behind the petition was these these cases shouldn't be going to magistrates court anyway. It should be criminal automatically. Um, because it is such a serious offence and magistrates, you know, we want better sentences but the magistrates don't have the powers to do those sentences and they don't have the training and domestic abuse is really, really complex and it needs a complex understanding. Why do you think it took the petition to create this change? It feels like this change should have happened a very, very, very long time ago and it wasn't the government who chose to change it, it was your petition that sparked it. Why do you think that is? Uh, well, I think... Uh, I think oh, historically, over time, the government has known there's a problem. I think there is probably a lot of ignorance generally, so people probably don't realise quite how bad the problem is because it's always been hidden behind closed doors. And that's not just on the Isle of Man, it's everywhere worldwide. Um, but I also think, uh, you know, it's, it's been a policy for a long time to promote the Isle of Man as a safe place to live and work. And that, in politicians' minds, that hasn't fitted with the image they don't want to admit there's a homeless problem or a domestic abuse problem, even a drug and alcohol problem, because then it's no longer safe. But actually, the thinking needs to change. Actually, everywhere has domestic abuse, and the figures are roughly the same worldwide. So the Isle of Man isn't necessarily worse than anywhere else for the occurrence, but we are worse if we don't tackle it. And if we tackle it properly, that's when we become a safe place and we could admit it and say, yes, we've got these problems, but we're actually a really place safe to live because we've got all these measures and we've got the best law around and we're really tackling it. That's what we need to do to be safe. Um, and I think the other thing is, I mean, maybe it just takes public opinion to, ch to, to draw attention to an issue sometimes that has been hidden. Um, I checked on the petition this morning and there's 9,636 signatures now. And that's great. That's far more than I ever expected to get. But, you know, if 10,000 people virtually are saying the Isle of Man needs to change and get a law, then the politicians do need to listen. And I'm really glad Dr Allenson and the rest of them are doing so. And in terms of tackling in your tackling domestic abuse, in your opinion, like you say, it's a very complicated, mm. complex issue mm. because 
for so long people have relied on physical um like a bruise or a, a scratch how how do you monitor like emotional and mental abuse that's been going on in your opinion how 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 do you tackle it i think that victims need to be heard and listened to because the victim is the expert on their situation. They can tell you how they feel. They can tell you how frightened they are. And on things like the DASH checklist, the level of the victim's fear is actually a very good indicator of how big the risk is. And we have to understand, you know, sometimes victims aren't listened to because they're said to have a drink problem or a mental health problem. Well, um, recently we had um, an ex-policeman, John Trott, who came over to do a day's training on coercive control, and he also spoke to Tinwald. And his words were, of course she's got a mental health problem. You would. If you've been tyrannised like that in your home for 10, 15 years, however many years, if you'd been assaulted 50-odd times, yes, you would be a little bit <laughs> distraught, shall we say. And that sh absolutely should not be a reason not to help people. Quite the opposite. And that, things like that should... If someone has a mental health problem, that should be taken as an indication, perhaps, of how badly abused they have been, not as a reason to criticise them, minimise what they've been through, disbelieve them or not support them. Our attitude to victims has to change. And finally, your petition, as you said, has nearly got 10,000 um, signatures. Is that proof that petitions hold weight with government on the Isle of Man? I hope so. I don't have a lot of... Um, experience with other petitions on the Isle of Man and I don't, I'm very pleased with those numbers but I don't know how they compare with numbers for other petitions but I think what's important is it shows how strongly people feel people in the community know this is an issue they know that they're not getting the best service in the courts or from the law and therefore things need to change and if politicians will listen to us and make that change I'm just absolutely delighted That was Tamazin Wedgwood there of Safe, Strong, Secure speaking to Rianne Evans in June that month, domestic abuse was back on the agenda in the island's political arena. In House of Keys, Douglas Central MHK Anne Corlett asked the Home Affairs Minister Bill Malarkey whether his department was considering bringing forward legislation to provide a domestic abuse disclosure scheme. In his response, the minister said there would be another period of consultation across the summer recess ahead of the production of a draft bill which it was hoped would be completed by October. Here's the exchange from that sitting. Question 10, I call on the Honourable Member for Douglas Central, Mrs Corlett. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, could I ask the Minister for Home Affairs whether his department is considering bringing forward legislation to provide a domestic abuse <coughs> disclosure scheme? Call on the Minister for Home Affairs to reply. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, I can confirm that the department is currently drafting legislation relating to domestic abuse. And as part of this new legislation, it is intended... <coughs> that consideration be given to disclosure scheme of this type being implemented on the island. Prior to introducing this new legislation into the branches, we plan further targeted consultations with those parties from both government and other sectors who are responsible for providing services to victims of domestic abuse. This consultation will take place during the summer recess with a view to introducing legislation in the form of a draft bill before the branches, uh, hopefully this coming October. Supplementary question, Mr Corlett. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Um, I'm very pleased to hear the, the Minister's reply there that he is considering it. And would you agree that the, there is a, a, a real need to, to consider this as things like the use of online dating websites, the fact that the, 
the population has increased generally means we know people less well than we used to. Um, would you also agree, domestic abuse case recently, the perpetrator was told by the court to inform probation if he formed a new relationship. Um, but the reason for this is that any new partner could be at significant risk, but would not have the right to either ask or the right to know. Um, would you agree that relying on the perpetrators of domestic abuse to disclose this information is perhaps the wrong way around? Minister to reply. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, this is quite complex these days with uh, data protection as to how how much information can be disclosed. We are aware that the UK government did do um, some trials on this for uh, for police forces between 2012 and 2014. Um, did some trials and then it was rolled rolled out. It's not statutory on the books uh, of the UK, which is something we'd like to look at in more depth for the island. Um, but it's not something I'm prepared to rush at because of, as I said, the, the complex issues of data protection. Uh, it works both ways in a situation like this. But certainly the department is taking this extremely seriously. It's commonly known, I think, it's Claire's Law, which was introduced, uh, Claire Woods, Woods going back in 2009, my memory says you right. Home Affairs Minister Bill Malarkey there, speaking in the House of Keys in June. As promised by his department, the new domestic abuse bill was successfully put before the House in October for its first and second readings. Finally, on Perspective this week, let's hear some of Mr Malarkey's address to the House from the second reading. Mr Speaker, in moving the second reading of this bill, I invite honourable members to join me in reflecting on what this bill is all about. Domestic abuse is a gross abuse of trust where people living in an intimate and or family relationship find they are not safe from those close to them. People are entitled to expect respect, security, trust and love. No one should have to experience the pain of suffering, the consequences of abusive behaviour by family members or intimate others. Furthermore, children should not have to witness or indeed suffer the effects of such abusive behaviour in any of its forms. We have a duty to protect our people and to address such behaviour as being unacceptable. The key object of the Bill, therefore, is to address domestic abuse for the first time in Manx law. Our aim is to protect people from domestic abuse or mitigate the effects of domestic abuse and to punish offenders. Other objectives of the bill include raise awareness of domestic abuse so it is clearly seen by all in our society as a key issue which must be addressed. Enhancing the safety of victims of abuse and those at risk of abuse. Providing legal tools and appropriate guidance to enable various agencies, including our justice system, to effectively address domestic abuse by taking specific measures protect their victims, punish offenders and identify perpetrators who may respond positively to programmes designed to rehabilitation. That was Home Affairs Minister Bill Malarkey addressing the House of Keys last month. So, on Tuesday, the Domestic Abuse Bill 2019 will reach the consideration of clauses stage, which could see the crucial piece of legislation pass another significant hurdle. Thanks for listening. Sledden you.